Good morning, church. And so good to be in the house of the Lord with you today. Thank you for being here this morning. It feels like a beautiful fall, crisp morning. I'm excited to get into the word with you today. We're beginning a brand new series called Kingdom Builders. And I just wanted to let you know right out of the gate that the idea of Kingdom Builders is that I really want to talk about the purpose of God and how that plays out in the life of the believer. Now, now with a, a, a statement like that, we could take this thing in a lot of different directions this morning. When we talk about the purpose of God for Christians, how many of you know we could, we could talk about that every Sunday of every year? We could talk about discipleship, evangelism, fellowship, worship, prayer. We could talk about outreach and compassion. If we're talking about the purpose of God in your life, we could talk about your spiritual gifts. We could talk about your life experience, the opportunities that are presented. And rather than talk about all of those things that that define the purpose of God for your life, what I want to do is I want to talk about one thing that touches most all of those other areas. This one area of our life that becomes the measuring rod for the depth of our commitment in all those other areas. Today, what I'm talking about is money. Money. Got as many amens as I thought it would when I said it. But let me tell you what Jesus said. He said what I just said, but a lot more concisely and eloquently. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, he said it like this. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. And let me just say to us today that, that the control that money has on society is not a 21st century problem. It's not even just a first world problem. This is a, a problem that Jesus spoke about in his generation, to his generation, and everybody in this room can testify it's still true in ours, isn't it? Listen, our possessions easily possess us. We are possessed by our possessions. That's what Jesus was talking about when he said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. Paul the apostle was counseling a young pastor in the ministry, and he wrote in 1 Timothy chapter 6 these words. He said, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Now notice, he didn't say those that are rich. He wasn't preaching against prosperity in a financial sense or any other way. He was saying what the problem is, is the desire. The people that fall into a trap and and are ruined and destroyed are the people that, that want to get rich. He's talking about desires. He's talking about the affections of the heart. Look at the next verse. He says in verse 10, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Again, he's not saying that money is evil. He's saying it's the love of money that can be evil. It's the eager desire to possess worldly wealth that all of a sudden causes people to wander and to be pierced with many griefs. Can can I just say, to be clear today, money is not evil. Money is necessary. Amen? I mean, that was a weak amen. If you don't think it's necessary and it's evil, I'm, I'm working on my deliverance ministry. Come up after service. I will pray for you. I will deliver you from that evil. I, you can just give it to me. How many of you know we need money? Money's not evil. Now, I can tell the reason you're afraid to say amen is because you're waiting for the bait and switch. You're like, you know, I did one of those vacation timeshares. They said free vacation, but... I was in that room for eight hours. They wouldn't let me go, and this service is starting to feel like that. Can I, just, can I just tell you today, we've already collected the offering, okay? We're not doing a second offering. Relax. You're getting out of here with your coat, okay? But it's true. Our possessions possess us, and it's the desire that the Bible warns us against. It's that desire to have more, that desire to have control of worldly wealth. Wealth, And and the Bible's very clear. Jesus was very clear. The way that we handle our money is an indication of our greatest desires, of our greatest affections. But let me just begin this topic by saying this. Simply, God wants to bless you. No catch. He really does. 
Now, I, I know that that idea has been abused in, in the church and, and there, you know, the whole idea of a prosperity gospel that everybody that serves the Lord, you know, he wants you to be wealthy. He wants you to drive an expensive car. He wants you to have nice things. Listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to stretch the word of God outside of its context, but let's not, let's not forget the truth that, that, that a lot of false truths are based on. And the truth is this, God wants to bless your life. He wants to bless you. Go back and and read the story of Adam and Eve in Genesis 1. And what you're going to find is before there was original sin, there was original blessing. God's plan was to bless them, that they would multiply, that they would prosper, that they would fill the earth. Go back to Genesis 12 and read about when God called Abraham the father of our faith. He said, I'm going to bless you to be a blessing. The nations will be blessed through you. In other words, what God was saying to the father of our faith, Abraham, is essentially this. God's kingdom agenda is going to be accomplished through blessing. That's the, that's the way he's going to touch the world, the world, by blessing his people. Jesus' best friend on the earth was the apostle John. And years after Jesus had died, resurrected, and ascended back to heaven, John wrote, Three little letters to the church. In 3 John chapter 1, verse 2, he said, here's my heart's desire. Beloved, I pray that you, above all things, would prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. So he wasn't just saying, God wants to bless you spiritually, because a lot of times that's where we go. Like, God wants to bless you. Like, yeah, that's true. He, you know, got a mansion in glory, streets of gold. I'm gonna live forever. Or maybe it's a, a, a mental or emotional thing. Like, God wants to bless me with peace. God wants to bless me with security, with, with comfort, with protection. All those things are true. But God wants to bless every area of your life. Every area of your life. We, we sang about it a moment ago. He is Jehovah Jireh. That's one of the names of God. It means the Lord will provide. He's Jehovah Jireh. He meets our needs. And Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount there, he says, look, he clothes the lilies. He feeds the sparrows. How much more does he love you than them? He's gonna take care of you. So he tells them, don't worry. Don't worry about what you're gonna wear. Don't worry about what you're gonna eat. He says the, the pagans run after all those things, but the Lord knows you need them. The Lord knows you need them. And this is what he says in verse 33 to him. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you or given to you as well. So he's not just saying, I'm gonna bless you spiritually. He's saying all these other things that the pagans are running after, the things that I know you need, I'm going to give you those things. I'm going to meet and supply your needs. There was a, a man that came to Jesus one time in Luke chapter 18, and he said, a great question. Jesus, what must I do to have eternal life? And then Jesus looks at the man, and he, he sees the deepest need of his life. We looked at this last week with the woman at the well. Jesus looked at that woman, and he saw the greatest issue of her life was relationships, and so when she started to demonstrate a little bit of a, a spiritual appetite for the things of God, he went right to the heart issue. For her, it was relationships. For this guy in Luke 18, the problem was not relationships, the problem was money. And so Jesus says to him, well, sell all your possessions and give to the poor and then you can come follow me. And the Bible says that man hung his head and went away sad. Why? Because he could not imagine letting go of his affluence and his influence to, to grab a hold of a blessing that he couldn't quantify. And the reality is that guy forfeited the greatest invitation of all time. This guy could have been one of the personal disciples of Jesus. We don't even know his name. Maybe it was Steve. Like today, we could be opening up to the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Steve. Like, wouldn't that be awesome? We don't know what his potential was. He never discovered it. Why? Because he couldn't let go of what he valued more than a relationship with Jesus. And let me just say, church, when it comes to your kingdom purpose, I don't care if it's your money, if it's your career, if it's your relationships, if it's your hobbies, anything that you're holding on to that's taking priority over seeking first the kingdom and his righteousness, friend, you don't have a hold of it. That thing's got control of you. So Jesus says, evaluate your heart's desires and affections if there's anything in your life that you're pursuing more than me. Seek first 
the kingdom. So the caution in the word of God is not against having money. The caution is against money having you. There's a difference. For a lot of people, money's a difficult topic to talk about because it just feels like a necessary evil in our culture. Like, it's just a necessary evil. But can I tell you, there's no such thing as necessary evil. There's necessary and there's evil. And if we're gonna trust God with our whole heart, we've got to trust him with every area of our life. And there's one, one spiritual discipline that I believe helps us more than any other to surrender our whole heart and life to Jesus, and that's the discipline of tithing. So I wanna talk for a few minutes about tithing. You say, well, what is tithing? Maybe that's a new concept to some of you. For some of you, I can tell by uh, the, the silent echo that reverted back to me when I said tithing. You know what tithing is. And here's the thing, tithers love when you preach about tithing. Like, hey man, this is great. Yeah, talk about tithing. Everybody else, not so much. But let me just explain to you how this principle of tithing actually helps us to align our hearts and lives with the purpose and mission that God has for us to build his kingdom in the earth. The word tithe is not a Bible word. We think of it as a Bible word now because that's really the only time we use the word in our culture. We don't really talk about a tithe of anything else. But the word tithe is a mathematical word. It just means a tenth, 10%. That's what tithe means. And there's some people that say, you know, well, I, I read that, but that's, that's the law, that's Old Testament, and we don't live under the Old Testament law anymore, so I don't really believe that tithing is for today. And if that's your, your view, I've said this to our church before, I'm going to say it again. If that's your view, I, I don't really care. I don't really care if you don't believe that, that tithing is a principle for today. And the reason I don't care is because you have to a- answer a bigger question than that. Like the bigger question is not are we under the Old Testament law or do we not have to do that under grace? The bigger question is does the grace of Jesus Christ under the new covenant call me to more or to less? As a church filled with the spirit of the living God living on the other side of an empty tomb, does grace call me to more or to less? Because when I look at the ministry of Jesus, I see Jesus, he raises the bar. Like Jesus in his inaugural sermon, the first time that he began to begin his ministry and preach, he said, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. But I tell you, don't even lust. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, if someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to the left and give them that one also. If somebody tells you to walk a mile, walk two. If somebody takes your coat, give them your tunic as well. Like Jesus raises the bar for us. Grace compels us to do more, to be more generous, not less. And and so what I want you to understand is that tithing is not the ultimate goal for the Christian. Tithing is not like the brass ring of spirituality. Like, oh, wow, I'm a tither. But tithing is a great place to start. That's why for me and my wife, we... We love the automated giving option through the church. A lot of you, you pay your bills this way. Like, you know you, that bill's gotta go, and so it comes up and it goes out. And we do the same thing with, with the tithe. Not with all of our giving, but with the tithe. That way, that before I, I ever even really see it or think about spending it, like the first 10% of my paycheck, it goes to the Lord. It, it goes to the tithe. And then when I feel compelled to, to give, to be generous, to sow into to missions or to, to give to the building fund or to help a cause like what's happening with Convoy of Hope and, and Hurricane Ian, and I can give to those things from the foundation of the tithe because I know that I've already put the Lord first in that area. Now, before I go any farther, let me, just, let me just say something here because I know that our minds are, are spinning and there's lots of questions that maybe I would assume the answer to because I grew up in church, because I've been in ministry for 20 plus years. Let me just say something about the way our church works, okay? The, the light bill, the heat, the air, all the utilities, everything that comes out of this church financially comes into this church through the faithfulness of God's people in this church. In other words, we don't get any government funding. Don't know if you knew that about the kingdom of God. The American government is not supporting our cause. 
We don't get any funds coming in from some oversight or a denomination or anything like that. In fact, the opposite's true. We, we support our, our district ministry network. We support our national offices. The, the, the kingdom of God is a, a grassroots work. Everything that goes out from here to support our missionaries, everything that uh, supports the staff and pays, pays the salaries and, and benefits, those things come from the, the generosity of the people in the house. And by the way, I, we don't work on commission. I'm not preaching on money because I need more next week. That's not how this works. It's not how this works. But the funds for the kingdom purpose come from kingdom-minded people. And aren't you glad God set it up that way? Aren't you glad that God didn't command bake sales and car washes? Like, thank the Lord that there's not a scripture in there challenging us to craft bazaars. Oh my gosh, pull my hair out now. Like, no, God's plan has always been funding his mission through the faithfulness of the tithing church. There's three reasons I believe in the tithe, and I just wanna share them really quickly with you. Number one, I believe in tithing for every believer because it is clearly taught in the law. And before you discredit the law, hear this. Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill the law. And so even though we don't live under the law, the principles of the law are right. Jesus fulfilled those principles. The Bible says in Leviticus, in the law, chapter 27, verse 30, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. So he says you ought to tithe off everything. All of your income, you ought to give the first 10% to the Lord. And, and that word first is important because it says it's holy to the Lord. Holy means it's dedicated, it's consecrated, it's, it's set apart. Like, like that portion, the first portion is from the Lord. In Proverbs 3 and 9, it says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. So, so tithe is not just 10%. It's not just about a percentage. It's about a priority. It's about saying, I'm going to give to God first. I'm going to give to God before AT&T. I'm going to give to God b- before the booster club or before the mortgage company or, or, or whatever, before the vacation fund. I'm going to give the Lord the first fruits. Why? Because he said it's honoring the Lord. Like if we were at your birthday party and we cut the cake at your birthday party, who gets the first piece? You do. It's your party. Could you imagine if you're having a birthday party and, and, and I cut the cake up and I go and I serve it to everybody else and you're just, you're just sitting there? You're waiting, you're waiting, and oh, 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 oh. is there any left? A little little something over here. Here, why don't you try some too? But a lot of times we do that with God. We're like, well, it's Sunday. Anything left? Well, not this week. Sorry, Lord. No, we honor the Lord first with the first fruits. Not only does the law require it, but, but tithing actually predates the law. It predates the law. In Genesis 14, there's this incredible story about Abraham. He, he goes and he rescues his nephew Lot. He's outnumbered, he's outmanned, but he puts together this little tactical SWAT team of specialists and they go in like ninjas and they rescue Lot. And Abraham recognizes like this was a God thing. This was the Lord. And in that scene, all of a sudden, the priest of Salem shows up. It's this mysterious guy that shows up and he does two things. He blesses Abraham and then he gives him bread and wine. And what's interesting about Melchizedek is most scholars and theologians believe that that he's actually a theophany. A theophany is an Old Testament appearance of Jesus in the flesh. Like before he was born in Bethlehem's manger in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, he appeared from time to time because we know he always eternally existed with God in heaven. And so this is one of those moments. In fact, it appears that the writer of the book of Hebrews in the New Testament believed that too because he says this about this guy, Melchizedek, who shows up in Hebrews 7.3. It describes him like this. Without a father or a mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of life, resembling the Son of God, he remains a priest 
forever. And so this guy who has no beginning and no end, nobody knows where he came from or, 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 or where he's going to next, he shows up, he blesses Abraham, he gives him bread and wine, which is symbolic and representative of the new covenant in Christ, established through the bread and the wine of communion. And then the Bible says Abraham responds to that in this way. He said, I give you a tenth of everything. He paid the tithe to Melchizedek. And then in Hebrews 7, it describes Jesus. He's our high priest. He's the one that goes before the Lord with the perfect sacrifice for our sins. And it describes him this way in verse 16. Jesus is the one who became a priest but not on the basis of regulations as to his ancestry. In other words, in the law, you had to be a Levite to be in the Levitical priesthood. But he says Jesus wasn't a Levite and he wasn't a priest based on his ancestry, but on the promises, on the basis of the power of an indestructible life. In other words, no beginning, no end. On the basis of Melchizedek, the next verse says this, for it is declared, you, Jesus, are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The former regulation is set aside because it was weak and it was useless. Talking about the law. For the law made nothing perfect and a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. What does that mean? He's saying, number one, it means we have a better covenant than they had. We draw near to God, not with the sacrifice of lambs that we offer to a Levitical priesthood. We make a sacrifice uh, of praise to Jesus who sacrificed himself as the perfect lamb of God for our sins. But it, it means more than that because it also tells us that the tithe is part of the new covenant. Because though the old covenant is gone with the Levitical priesthood and all of its commands, Jesus is not a part of that covenant. He's from the order of the priesthood of Melchizedek. Hebrews 5, Hebrews 7, you can read those in your own time. They say over and over again, Jesus is a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So the, the law commands us to tithe. The tithe predates the law. Thirdly, Jesus said we should tithe. Some of you are like, really? Why don't you lead with that? Like, who's Melchizedek? Like, just, Jesus, yeah, Jesus said that. In Matthew 23 and 23, he's having a conversation with people that they think just doing the thing, like, they just put an offering in the plate, that's gonna satisfy the heart of God, but God's not trying to bless your wallet. God's trying to bless your life. And if you come and you just do it out of some religious expression without a heart motive, God's not pleased with it. That's the kind of people Jesus is talking to, and he says this to him. He says, woe to you teachers of the law, and you Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, your mint, your dill, and your cumin. In other words, they were literally separating the spices, like break off nine dill leaves for me, one for God. Measure out one teaspoon of cumin for the Lord, nine teaspoons for me. Like, he gets the first tenth. Jesus says, you guys are so particular about giving God a tenth of everything. But you've neglected the more important matters of the law. Justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter, justice, mercy, and faithfulness, without neglecting the former. Like Jesus is saying, like, yeah, obviously, Obviously, we tithe. Obviously, we give the Lord the first tenth of everything, but you gotta give him your heart. It's not just about paying a, a tithe to the Lord. It's about your heart. Listen, church, giving your tithe to God, it doesn't purchase God's favor. That's what he was saying to him. Giving a tithe does not purchase God's favor. What it does do, though, is it positions you for God's favor. And I want to show you a powerful verse in Malachi chapter 3. It says this, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. In the next verse, he says, I'll prevent Pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. So God says, if you'll test me in this, I'll provide for you. 
I'll pour out blessing, and I'll prevent destruction in your life. I want to do an illustration here to, to show you how this works practically. This isn't original to me. I saw Pastor Rob Ketterling do this years ago, and it's just so profoundly impacted me. I want to share it with you. But I, I want you to just get a picture in your mind of what it looks like when, when a person just begins to walk in obedience to God's pattern of the tithe. God blesses your life, and he's going to bless us. We're going to start off with this. Now, I grew up in church, so Veggie Tales, I know for a fact this is Jerry Gord. I, I know him on a first-name basis. But, but God's blessing me with 10 of these. And so I'm going to take the first one, and I'm going to give it to the Lord. I'm going to give it to the Lord because this is, this is the Lord's table. Now, this is my table. And, oh, man, look at the Lord. He's blessed me with some pineapples. Isn't this awesome? The Lord blessed me. But the first one, it goes to him. So I, I give him the first one. And, look, I've got 10 more. This is awesome. I've got 10 more pineapples here that I can enjoy and that I can. But, but the first one, it goes to the Lord. Why? Because the Scripture says in Proverbs 3, 9, honor the Lord. So honor is priority. It's not just any bunch of bananas. It's the, first, it's the first bunch of bananas. I give this to the Lord. I honor the Lord with my wealth, with the first fruits of my income. And God just continues to bless me. We got, man, these are great for the lunchbox. Little clementines here. I got a bag of clementines. And so when God blesses my life, the first thing I do is I say, thank you, God, for blessing my life. I'm going to tithe on everything. That's what Leviticus said, a tithe on the apples. So God blessed me with apples. I go, okay, Lord, I'm going I'm to bring this to the house of the Lord. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Now, we don't have a storehouse. We don't live in an agrarian culture. We don't keep, we don't keep silos that we all just kind of provide from. No, we get paychecks. But I'm going to bring it to the, the storehouse, and the storehouse is the church. This is the place there, where the, the ministry that Jesus established is branching out from to the whole world. So if God gives me sweet potatoes, I'm going to bring the whole tithe, one out of ten. So I get nine sweet potatoes, and God, now he doesn't want this. I'm pretty sure he doesn't want this. This is broccoli. How many of you know God doesn't just bless us with what we want? He gives us what we need. And so, okay, Lord, I, I thank you. I thank you for the broccoli. I, you know what? I'm going to give the first broccoli to Jesus because he said, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that my house may be filled. So now it's getting healthy up in this place. Now, now he's giving us lettuce. So I'm going to take this first head of lettuce and I'm going to bring that to the Lord. And here's what he said I'm going to do. If you'll do that, if you'll bless me in this way, if you'll honor me by bringing the tithe into the Lord, he said, I'm going to pour out blessing on your life. Look at my table over here. Are you guys getting all this? It's just kind of getting hard for him. He said, I'm going to, oh, look, it's corn. It's got the juice. God blesses with corn. I'm saying, okay, here it is. Lord, I'm giving you the first, I'm giving you the first ear of corn. There's 10 for me. And he said, what I'm going to do, I'm going to pour out blessing on your life. So much so that you're not going to be able to contain it. Look, my table's getting too full. And God says, here, it's, it's fall, y'all. Let's have some pumpkins. So I give the first one to the Lord. Give him the, the whole tithe to the Lord. Oh, we got bell peppers here. We got red peppers. We got green peppers, yellow peppers. So here's the, the tithe. I give that to Jesus. And the awesome thing is while my table is, is filling up, now I'm starting, to, I'm starting to fill the storehouse. I'm starting to fill the kingdom of God. And let me just say, church, the question isn't about how much money I should give. That is, that is not the question. The question is not how much of my money should I give to God. The, thank you. We got limes. That's awesome. We got, I'm going to give a lime to, to Jesus, and I'm going to keep the other nine to put in my Sprite, because that's the way I rock. And, and the question is not how much of my money should I give to God. The question is how much of God's money should I keep for myself? Because Psalms 24 says that the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. So church, we've got to get out of the mindset of 10%. we got to get a 100% paradigm. It all belongs to him. I don't own any of it. I'm the steward of it. And God gives me the, the benefit of stewarding all of this. All of this I get to steward. You know, Dave Ramsey says this. If you can't live on 90%, you can't live on 100%. Like, it doesn't take a miracle for you to make it through the month. 
It might take discipline. It might take a budget. It might take reevaluating your priorities. But the, but the principle of stewardship that God gives us is take the first 10% and, and bring it to the Lord. And then what he's going to do is he's going to begin to, pour, look at this, blessings are falling off my table now. He said, see if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour out more blessing than you can contain. And when I start to live from a posture of generosity and say, God, everything that I have, it comes from you. It's all for you and for your glory. I'll gladly begin with the tithe. God, if, if, if it doesn't matter how much you bless me, because listen, the tithe is always one penny of every dime. One penny of every dime. One dollar out of every ten. Ten dollars out of a hundred dollars. One hundred dollars out of a thousand dollars. One piece of broccoli out of ten pieces of broccoli. And so the Lord says, if you'll just honor me with that, with the first fruits, then your vats and your barns will be full. They'll be overflowing. And, and so all of a sudden, we start living with a posture of generosity, and we go, man, God, you've done so much for me. I got, look, I got blessings falling off my table. You know what? I want to I support, I wanna support the, the kingdom more. Man, I, God, there, there's so much you've given me here. I can't, I, can't even, I can't even manage all of this blessing, so I'm just going to steward some of it back over to you and your table. And God, my blessings are falling off all around me. You've been so good. I'm going to give you a few more. And then the Lord said, if you'll do that, if you'll honor me with this, guess what? I'm going to bless you exceedingly and abundantly, more than you could ask or imagine. I'm going to give you even more blessing. And he said, test me in this and see. See if I don't open the windows of heaven. And pour out blessing, and he blesses us in two ways. He pours out blessing, but he also prevents. And here's what I hear people say, like, like yeah, okay, great point, but I know my finances. I know my situation. And the reality is, no matter how compelling this might sound, I can't afford to tithe. And, and if that's you today, you say, I just can't afford to tithe. I would challenge you to consider that you aren't factoring in the favor of God. The unexpected, unmerited favor of God. He says, I'm going to pour out blessing in your life and I'm going to prevent pests from destroying. Well, in an agrarian culture, we understand that's very literal. Pests would come and destroy. They'd eat the crops. The crops could get sick. They could die. But we know that we have a pest that wants to steal, kill, and destroy our lives. Jesus said, he is Satan. He's the enemy of your soul. And God says, when you live in this pattern of tithing, I'm going to prevent the enemy from destroying your life. Think about how many, when you, when you, not just the money, but with your whole life, you say, God, I'm serving you with my whole life. There's so many ways that God blesses us, so many things that God does for us to, to keep us and protect us. And you say, you know, man, before I gave my whole life to Jesus, I used to blow half my paycheck in the bars. I just lose, lose blessing right and left. You know, I, man, I drink too much. Man, I gamble too much, and I was just, I, was, I don't know where my money went. I get to the end of the month and go, I can't figure this out. But now that, I'm, now that I'm living in obedience to the Lord, now that I'm honoring the Lord with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength, God's just pouring blessing out. He's pouring favor out in my life. Listen, I, I remember personally in my life, let me just say this. This, this is not something I'm, I'm preaching to you because I'm standing here and you're sitting there. My wife and I have been tithers all of our life. I thank God I, I grew up living with this principle. And so all of our lives we've been tithers. And, and we went through some difficult seasons where the money was tight. You know, I did like Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University and, you know, step one, put all the money that you have over here and put all the bills over here. And guess what? The bills list was a lot higher number than the income list. And I'm going, okay, Dave. We've cut the expenses. We've cut the budget. We had, we had two of our daughters within 18 months of each other. We didn't have health insurance. And so we, we were just, we were struggling. And we lived there for, for 10 years. Now that we've lived back in Pennsylvania here for almost as long as we lived in Texas, I look back on those years and I realize, wow, I didn't account for how much God prevented you know, in the house we live now, uh, we, we've had to call the plumber multiple times, and thank God we know some good plumbers in this church. And, but when I think back to the 10 years that we lived in Texas and we were just tithing and we felt like we didn't have enough, you know, I never called one plumber in 10 years. In my appliances, they never broke. We've replaced every appliance in the house that we're living in right now. But for those 10 years, our appliances, they just worked. 
They just worked. And in fact, one time, they didn't work. Our washing machine broke. And I mean, we, we, we had no answers, no solution. I mean, I got on YouTube. I tried to figure out every possible cheap way to fix that thing. I was a duct tape specialist. At the end of the day, it just didn't happen. It was like, well, we're, we're gonna have to just go to the laundromat because we certainly can't afford a new washing machine and, and we're not gonna stop tithing. We're gonna just honor the Lord. So we just said, okay, Lord, you're, you're gonna have to help us and we'll figure something out eventually. Went to church and that Sunday, the Lord had spoke to one of the senior adults in the church. Now, I, I didn't tell anybody, I didn't post it on social media, sure could use a blessing from the Lord, my washing machine broke. No, I didn't tell anybody, nobody knew. And started GoFundMe, I don't think they had those back then, but, but God spoke to the heart of a senior saint in the church. This never happened before, it never happened after, but he walked up to me that Sunday morning, shook my hand, gave me a Pentecostal handshake, is what we used to call them. He shook my hand and I felt something in his hand. And he said, the Lord told me to bless you. It was a $500 check. Went out and bought a new washing machine. See, this, the Lord said, if you'll just bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, there won't be room enough for you to contain the blessing. And, and it's not just gonna be monetary blessing. I'm gonna prevent things from happening. I'm gonna pre prevent sickness. I'm gonna prevent disease. I'm gonna prevent the attacks of the enemy. When the enemy tries to come in and steal the blessing of God in your life, God says, no, no, no. They're, they've honored me. They've put the Lord first. You can't touch them. And then God just surprises us sometimes, and he says, you know what? You've been so faithful. Guess what? I've got more blessings. I've got more blessings for you. There's more I want to give you. And we, we all of a sudden, how could we not say, God, you've been so good. Well, I've never even had these before. This is amazing. Thank you, Lord. But I want to give some back to you. God, I, I want to just bless your kingdom. And we start going above and beyond because God has shown himself faithful in our lives. You know, the, the truth is, church, studies show us that having more money doesn't make you more likely to give more. It's actually the opposite that's true. Studies show that people that have $50,000 or less in annual income give a greater percentage of their income than those that have more. Americans are in the top 10% of the world's wealth, but in America, on average, only 15 to 20% of Christians tithe. Now, thankfully, the percentage is a little higher in our church. We're, we're doing a little better than that, but, but across the board, we're the, in the top 10% of wealth in the world, and only 15 to 20% of Christians actually tithe. And the scarier statistic to that is that 80% of that tithe comes from Christians that are 50 years old and older. In Cuba, the average worker makes $23, not $23 an hour or even a day or a week. They make $23 a month. But 98% of the church tithes. They get that $23 and they go, Lord, it's probably because they've learned how to depend on God. They say, Lord, this, this $2.30 is yours. I know it's not much, but it's holy. You said don't touch the tithe. It, it belongs to the Lord. So God, I'm bringing you the first fruits. I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you, Lord God, to help me with the rest because I've put you first in the priority of my life. I wanna challenge us, church. I wanna challenge you to, to, to look at what Jesus said look at. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, I love what Pastor Adrian Rogers said. He said, give God what's right, not what's left. In other words, it's just say, God, I'm gonna put you first. I'm not gonna give out of what's left. I'm gonna put you first. And so I've had people ask me before, like, well, you know, um, can I tithe like 5%? Could I tithe 3%? Um, and, and let me just say, I mean, you, can, you can give whatever you wanna give. It's between you and the Lord. Um, I, I can honestly tell you, I look around this room today, I don't know who gives what here. We have a finance committee that does all that stuff. I, I don't need to know what you gave to the Lord 
this morning or last week. But there's a reason that God asked for the tithe. Tithe means tenth. You know, the number 10 actually is the number for testing in the Bible. When you think about it, when Jacob went to work for his uncle Laban, he said, you tested me these 10 times. You keep changing my wages. I'm working so that I can marry your daughter, Rachel. You've tested me 10 times. When God sent the plagues on Egypt, he sent 10. When God gave Moses the commandments, he gave him 10 commandments. There was a moment when Jesus was being tempted by the devil, the devil, and the devil said, if you're the son of God, throw yourself off this mountain. Because, hey, God said his angels will uh, watch over you. And Jesus said, don't tempt the Lord your God. Don't put the Lord your God to a test. Because that's a quotation from the Old Testament. But there's one place, only one, in all the Bible that God actually says, test me. Test me in this. And it has to do with the tithe. We read it earlier in Malachi 3. He said, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. That there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord. Test me in this. And see, see if I don't pour out blessing you weren't expecting. See if I don't prevent the destruction from the enemy. God's gonna do that thing. God's got buckets of blessing that you haven't seen yet that he can bring into your life if you'll honor God first with the whole tithe. And I just wanna, I wanna challenge, I want you to see this because here's what we do. Like we, 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 can, we can let fear get the best of us. For some of us, that's what this comes down to. It's, it's fear. You're afraid. To, to trust God in this way. For others, it's greed. And so, so we look at all we have and all we want, and, and then and we look at, you know, we do the math. Wow, if I, here's the paycheck. If I give God 10%, and then we go like, I, I don't I might need this, Lord. You know what? I'm, I'm not, I mean, I got, I got stuff coming up. I might, need, I might need some of this. And we carry this back over to our table, and, and God says, like, you got to trust me. You got you to trust me. And so for many of us, tithing breaks the power. It breaks the stronghold of fear. It breaks the stronghold of greed off of our life. It breaks the power of self-centeredness off of our lives when we say, God, I'm going to give you what you, you know what's crazy? As a pastor, I've done a lot of funerals. I've never even been to a funeral for an American that died of starvation. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's amazing. Like we all, we always get fed. I mean, I'm not saying you don't have needs. I don't have needs, but but it's, it's amazing. We can kind of let the enemy, you know, war in our mind to where we're like, I'm I'm not gonna make it. You know, like like man, he was such a great guy. It's so so unfortunate. Man, what happened? He just, he just didn't have enough on his table. I mean, he tithed. That was the, he tithed to death. <laughs> like. Sad, sad way to go. Brother gave to God and it didn't work. <laughs> Here's the truth, and this is why I'm sharing this with you today, church. I mean, I could have just stood up here and done cartwheels and rode a unicycle and blew bubbles and got live for your applause. It's not my assignment. I'm not preaching for your applause. God wants to bless your life. God, God's called us to kingdom building. And Jesus, he says some really sobering words in Luke chapter 16. That, that Just a great reminder for all of us. He says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. And whoever, he says, so if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Now, the reason that's so sobering to me is because I understand that the true riches is the kingdom of God. Like, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about who, who's, gonna, who's gonna see you as a faithful steward when it comes to ruling and reigning with Christ Jesus in his kingdom. If you've been faithful with a little, then I can trust you with a lot. If you've been dishonorable with a little, if you didn't put the Lord first, then you're not gonna be trustworthy with handling a lot in my kingdom. If, if you don't pass the stewardship test with worldly wealth, 
Who will give you true riches? And Jesus described the day that we receive our responsibilities in his kingdom. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 23, he said it's gonna be like this. The master will reply, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. That's, that's what we live for. We live for that moment, for that good and well done, faithful servant declaration that Jesus says, look at, the, look at the way you stewarded what I gave you. Not look at the way you measured up to somebody else's life. Not look at how, how wealthy people thought you were. Look at how faithful you were with what I put in your hands. Now come and share in your master's happiness. Did you know 27% of the church in America, the church in America, 27% gives nothing. Like just, they've completely isolated their, their money, their job, their occupation, what they spend most of their time doing. They've completely isolated that part of their life from their worship. So God, I'll give you a song. I'll give you a prayer. I'll serve. I'll volunteer. But you can't have any of my money. They don't understand that this is not about 10%. This is about 100%. This is about the God who has blessed your life in so many ways. Just imagine, if, just imagine what the kingdom of God would look like, the, the church that Jesus established. Imagine what it would look like if all the Christians in America just honored the Lord with their first fruits. Relevant Magazine did a study they crunched the numbers. And they said, if all the Christians in America tithed, if, if all of us lived according to this biblical principle, we would have an additional $165 billion annually. That's a big number. It's hard to comprehend that number, but, but let me help you make it make sense. If, if all the Christians tithe and we had $165 billion more dollars for the church to use and distribute, that means $25 billion could relieve global hunger, starvation, and death from preventable diseases in five years' time. Canceled. Solved that problem. $12 billion could eliminate illiteracy in five years. $15 billion of those dollars could solve the world's water and sanitation issues, specifically at places where one billion people live on less than a dollar a day. One billion, just one, one billion of those dollars could fully fund every missionary work overseas. And we'd still have over a hundred billion dollars left to invest in kingdom causes. You think maybe God knew what was best when he established his kingdom. Whether you have a little bit or whether you have a lot is, is not the point. The point is, am I putting the Lord first in my life? I wanna challenge you to be a faithful giver. I wanna challenge you to actually test the Lord in this. Some of you, I know, I know that's gonna, you're gonna have to really believe and trust God. And I've been in that place before and say, you know, this isn't a reflex for me, God. This isn't a habit. This is a sacrifice. This is, I, I, don't, I don't know how we're gonna do this, but Lord, I'm gonna stand on your word and I'm gonna trust you in this area of my life. I'm gonna test the Lord in this way. As we end this service today, I wanna, I wanna pray for you and I wanna just ask the Lord to, to speak to our hearts, not, not about money. Listen, this, I said it in the beginning, this, this service, this message, this series is not about money. And you go, who could have fooled me? No, it's about more than that. It's about way more than that. It's about God's kingdom purpose for your life, for my life, for this church. It's about God's desire for us. He's saying to you and he's saying to me what he said to his people in Deuteronomy 30, come back, come back to the Lord with your whole heart with your soul, come back. And if you come back, I'll bless you. I'll bless your farms. I'll bless your family. I'll bless your fields. He said, I, the Lord, am going to bless you with provision. You gotta come back. For some of us, this is an area, as Jesus said, this area indicates where our heart's at. 
You go, man, I haven't, I haven't been giving the Lord my whole heart. So would you bow your head with me and allow me to pray for you for a moment. God, I just thank you so much for your word and for the, the beauty of how you operate in your kingdom. God, the many, many blessings that you pour out on our lives more than we can more than we can contain and all of the ways that you prevent destruction and pestilence from stealing away from your blessing in our life. God, I pray today that each and every person would leave this place today with a heart, mind, soul, and strength, our abilities committed to the Lord. Jesus, we give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. Right now, with your head bowed and your eyes closed, I, I just want to say, maybe if you're here today and you, you don't even have a relationship with the Lord, I'm up here talking about giving the Lord of your finances and that 100% came from Him and He only asked for 10% back. But you're sitting here listening to this and the Holy Spirit's dealing with you about a weightier matter. You haven't surrendered your whole self to the Lord. If that's you today, God loves you so much. He has an incredible plan for your life, but it's predicated on a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you say, I don't have a relationship with the Lord Jesus, God wants to bring you into his family today. If that's you, this morning you say, I need, I need to give my life to Jesus. I don't just need to give an offering. I need to lay my life on his table. If that's you today, would you just raise your hand and say, that's me, Pastor. I wanna pray for you right now. Anyone, I'm looking around this room. See, that's me. I need to give my life to Jesus. Amen, amen. Here's what I wanna do. Church, would you stand with me all over this room? We're gonna pray a closing prayer. Today, God, I thank you. As we sang it earlier, you clothe the lilies of the field. You dress them in splendor. You feed the, the sparrows. You care for them. God, how much more do you love us? Lord, I pray today that your people would leave this place today, yes, challenged, but also inspired by the goodness of God, that Lord, you are faithful, you are good, and you want to bless your people. It is your plan for impacting the world. Jesus, you said, let your light shine before men, that they see your good deeds and glorify the Father in heaven. Lord, let us be a people of good works, not a people that just grab and hold on and hoard every good thing that comes, but a people that live life with an open hand and a generous heart. God, use us to build your kingdom in Jesus' name. And all God's people said amen. Amen. Would you help me just give the Lord praise today one more time? Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word.